Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. All right, amen. James 4, James 4 for me. So the very first question or the one that got the most votes was how do I know God's will? And so let me start by saying, what a great question. And it sounds funny to say it that way, but I run into people all the time that it seems to me in the world today that people are more interested on how to get God to bless their will then get on board with God's will, which is already blessed, right? And so I think that's a great question to ask because really we want, our heart's desire would be to be in God's will. We want what he wants. And understanding that God, and to be cliche-ish if you will, God made you on purpose for a purpose. He has a purpose for your life, a destiny. And so he's created you. There's nothing God does by just happenstance or accident or coincidence that he created you to be alive in this moment for a reason. He has the reason for your existence. And so it just makes sense then that we need to spend time with him in his word to find out what that is, not just to live a life in the way that we want and then ask him to be a part of that. He's asked us to be a part of what he's doing. And so we're trying to position ourselves to be involved with what God is doing here on the planet. And so James 4, 13 through 15 is our starting point. Let's take a look. It says this. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to this city or that city and maybe we'll go here or there. I mean, we'll spend a year doing this, carry on some business, make some money. Why, and it says this in 14, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? And he's really alluding to the fact that we're asking the wrong questions. We're asking questions about temporary things, if you will, instead of the questions about eternal things. Like, why am I here? What is my divine purpose? And then uh, align ourselves with our assignment. I heard a pastor say it this way, I want to be in alignment with my assignment. So we're trying to figure out why we're here and then get in line with God's purpose. And it goes on to say this, you are a mist that appears for a little while then vanishes. If you've ever boiled a pot of water, the picture truly is that when the pot, the pot begins to boil, the steam rises and you can see it for a moment and in an instant it's gone. And that's what they're equating our life to. So it's not about the temporary things as much as the eternal things and to be about what God is about while we are here on the planet. 15 says this, instead you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we'll live and do this or that. We will align our will up with his will. We will surrender our will to God's will. So we want to be in that place of surrendering our will to God's will. Uh, there's things that God is involved in. He, he wants to be involved in every detail of your life, uh, even the smallest of details he cares about, but he does have a mission for you. And look at 1 John two seventeen. The world and its desires pass away. I mean, he wants to be involved with what you're de- what's happening around in your day-to-day life with you. Those are important. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. That should be our focus. Whoever does the will of God lives forever, being about the eternal things that last forever. Surrendering our life to the call and purpose of God, to be in alignment with the assignment he has for us, to make a difference on this earth. And we're not just talking about, because we're looking for answers to everything every day, and just kind of silly, where, you know, not to be about just everything, should we eat, like I'm not talking about today, about, well, should we eat it, is it should we eat it Rudy's or Black's? And I would say today, Hayes County, <laughs> that's, my, that's my favorite. But, you know, we're asking questions, and what, what about this, should we bring, I'm gonna go be a witness at the office tomorrow, should we bring Krispy Kreme Lord or Shipley's? Can I tell you, God would say, no donuts, they're bad for you. (laughs) But, you know, there's this idea about what do you want me to do with my life, God? And so that really begs the question, is God's will for my life something very broad or is it something very specific? And we want to take a look at that today. 
We're going to answer questions or you're answering, you're looking for answers to questions rather like, do I take this job or that job? That's a big deal. Do I marry this person or that person? And then then the question is, then before you get married, you're like, then do we have kids? And if so, how many kids? And can I just give you a piece of advice? Don't decide how many kids you want until you at least have one. I just start there. <laughs> See how that works for you, maybe? We were at dinner last night with a family, just a, a young couple, and they had a, a little boy. He was running around, he had a lot of energy, and, and so it was just fun for us. And we said, hey, he's got a lot of energy. We had girls, and, and it's a difference fun for us to, to watch the, your boy run around. And they said, uh, yeah, he's almost two. And I said, what's well, about time to start another one? And they go, they look at each other, and they look at me, and I said, oh, check, please, <laughs> time for us to go. You know, so she says, we thought we might already have one by now, but we're going to wait. And so, you know, the whole idea of, you know, there are things that God wants to help you in your life with. So we're, we're, trying, to, we're trying to bring things down to, to answer some questions. Um, should I buy this house? Should I buy that house? Should I rent this? Should I rent that? Even questions like this, do we get a dog or do we get a cat? And can I tell you, it's always the dog, never the cat. Never, ever, ever, ever the cat. And I'm sorry for your cat lovers, but they are nothing but trouble. Cats are nothing but trouble. And so don't take my word for it. I mean, think about it. I was thinking about this and just the whole cat thing for, an, for a moment. And, and it's like, think about words like catastrophe, <laughs> catastrophic. Those are the root word cat. They all start with that. I think for me, one of those words that fit right there with that is catalog. I mean, it was like, man, catalog, the catalog on the wife's nightstand, right? Or whatever that is. Those are, those are bad. What about things aren't working right? Well, that's kind of a little off. It's not really working right. That kind of looks like it's cattywampus, right? <laughs> things are off and all that. Okay, all right. I've gone too far on that. I can tell. All right, all you cat lovers are looking at me like you're already in this catatonic state. <laughs> They just keep coming, folks. I'm telling you. They just take over. Cats just take over. They keep coming. It's like herding cats in here. But anyway, so I'm moving on. So I better move on right now. So you're just trying to figure it out. You're just trying to figure out life and what does that look like. And, you know, John 10 tells us, tells us that those that know Jesus as Savior and Lord, he's our shepherd. And it says that the sheep hear the voice of the shepherd, that you can hear him clearly that his sheep know his voice. In fact, that you can respond to the voice of the shepherd. And it also says, and then you cannot respond to the voice of a stranger, that they say no to the voice of a stranger. So how do I get tuned in? And people do crazy things. You know, you've done crazy things to hear if it's the will of God, right? And everybody in here probably has done the fleece method. Well, if this is you, God, then you'll do this or you'll do that, right? You'll open this door, you'll open that door. Like the fleece method, it's like the guy, Lord, if you want me to get a whole box of Krispy Kremes and not just one, you'll give me a parking space in the, in the very front of the building. After the fourth time around, one opened up and it must be the Lord. But you've done that too. I drive home and I pass, we live by Bahama Bucks and I pass Bahama Bucks and I'm like, God, if there's nobody in line, then you must want me to get there. I walk in the door, my wife says, seriously, Bahama Bucks again? I said, nobody was in the line, it was the Lord's will. And so it's like this fleece thing. Well, what's the funniest thing for me is, because I've done this, is you've gotten the Bible open, you've gone to devotional time, and you're like, I just need to hear from you, God. And you'll open up your Bible and point, like all of a sudden, like there's this divine direction there, and you'll open up, you're right, the open and, and point method. But you know, that can be really risky at times. I heard the story of the man who did that, and here's what, he, here's what it came open to, 2 Samuel 10.4. Hanan sees David's envoy, shaved off half of each man's beard, and cut their garments off at the buttocks, and then sent them away. So you could get in a lot of trouble with that. So then he said, well, that's, okay, that's not God, so let me do this again. And he landed on Luke 10, 37 that said this, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And so, so I was looking at this just to kind of be funny, then I thought, I get it now, I get it now, I get it now. 
That's why the young men, some young men wear their pants with half their buttocks showing right there. It's in the Bible. But let me say this, it's Old Testament. We live in the New Testament now. So pull your drawers up. There you go, okay. All right, I'm just, okay. I know, hey, now calm down. I know, I'm just being a little catty. (laughs) All right. I see, I can't help it. They just take over, okay. So here's the question. Here's the question, here's the question. Is the will of God broad? And do I just get close to it or is it narrow and specific? For instance, does God just have one person for me to marry, if you will, and, and if I marry the wrong person, then is it, does it start this big chain, disastrous chain reaction? And, and then the Bible talks about it's appointed unto one day, appointed unto every man a, a day to die. And does that mean that you can't do anything about it? Then all of a sudden, what if it's your day to die? And then people just say, well, it's this time. And what about the pilot on the airplane that you get on, right? Is it, is it the pilot's time? Does that mean it's all of our time? There's a, a lot of things that I, that I believe we can dial in the Lord a little bit more clearly because I don't think he's hiding things from us and he's not trying to keep it from us. It's just we're wrestling with all the other influences. We're wrestling with all our wants and desires, if you will, to find what he's really speaking to us. And so is his will broader, is it specific? And I want to give you two parts to the message today. The first part is theological. I want to give you what I believe the framework for making these decisions, God's framework that he provides for you and I. And then within that framework, because if we can live within the boundaries of that framework, then I want to give you some really practical biblical tests or things that you can do when you're making decisions that I believe will help you get more clarity and see what it is that God's asking of you or wants for you. And so um, let me start with the theology part of it. Let me say it this way. God's will is framed. God has framed his will for us. What does that mean? Well, much like if you would see a goal in soccer, you know, it's a, it's a pretty broad goal. It has frames and you have to get it in there somewhere, right in that, but that has a framework to it. Outside of it, you miss, but inside, but there's room in there. And it might be like a, a road that you're on and on either side is like a ditch, but there's a road that you can stay on and stay within the boundaries of the guardrails. Or the illustration I really think really hits home for me uh, today is like a uh, for those of you who may are familiar with golf, maybe you've played it, maybe you watched it on TV. I, I, I like to play it. I'm terrible at it. But uh, there's uh, boundaries, if you will. There's a fairway that's really cut short and really nice that as long as you stay in that fairway, the game's much easier. If you get si- outside of the fairway, you're in what they call the rough. And that's just the reality is it's rough. And can I tell you, I know the rough because that's typically where I play golf, <laughs> in the rough, outside of the boundaries. And there's hazards, there's sand, and there's water. But as long as you stay in that fairway, the game is much easier. And I really feel that's what God has created for you and I, the ability to know a framework that he's provided so therefore we can stay within that, that framework and live our life in a way that's much easier than outside of it. But in that framework, I think there's some things that we can look at in the scripture that will help us really dial in the voice of God and what he's saying. So let me illustrate this way. I don't think I put the picture on the screen. I didn't ask him to, but guys, if you go ahead and put that picture up. Here's the picture, right? There's, a, there's two parts of God's will that creates a framework for us. One is the sovereign will of God. And so the sovereign will of God uh, is one thing that keeps us, it's a boundary on one side and keeps us from the rough. And the moral will of God keeps us from the rough on the other side. And then the personal will of God for specifically for my life is found in between that framework. So just have that picture as we talk about that this morning. So let me give you the first one, the sovereign will of God, one side being framed by what is called the sovereign will of God. Or let me just say it this way, what is God doing on the earth or what God is doing on the earth? God's up to something. God's working, God's moving, he has been, he always will be. God is doing something on the earth. The question is, do you know what it is? Do I know what it is? And am I cooperating with what God is doing on the earth? And so God has a will, 
and then God has a will for your life, but the will for your life is never outside of God's will. God created you to help fulfill his will. And so you live and operate within the framework of what God is doing on the earth. In other words, our will and God's will cooperate or coincide. So we understand there's a framework here that what, what is God doing on the earth today? And one of the things that we easily can say, we talked about it last month, we, we experienced it uh, yesterday, in fact, is God is reaching lost people. Amen. What is God doing on the earth? He's reaching the lost. He's seeking and saving the lost. It is God's desire that none should perish, but all should come to everlasting life. So when we call, cooperate with what God is already doing, then things become more clear for our life. And I dare say, if you were to find someone that's serving in a capacity and doing what God's doing, that they will tell you that they hear God a little clear, that they're able to tune him in a little clear. Why is that? It's because you're cooperating with what God is doing here on the planet, and your will will never be outside of God's will. Does that make sense this morning? So God's doing things on the planet here that a lot of us, unfortunately, probably aren't really involved in, but if you want to know God's will for your life, you need to look at that as a framework to get connected with what God's already doing on the planet. The other side of that, the other framework, is the moral will of God, and that is this, what God has already said in his word. Do you realize that the Bible, the word of God, represents the will of God? And he was very clear, especially topics today. I don't understand how things have become so unclear now. God was very clear on topics in the Bible, what he, what he has said in his word, what his will is concerning those things. God's already been vocal on some topics, and so we want to align our life up with what he's doing, and we want to align our life up with what he's already said. He'll never put you in a place or have a will for your life that's contradictory to his word. And oh, if we would get this church, come on, we could just by reading the word of God, we could help stay within the framework or the fairway because there's so many things that we want to do and pursue that are outside of the word of God. In fact, a lot of people that will come talk to me about, I just want to try to figure out what God has for my life, where I'll always take the discussion is what is God doing? And the other half is that, well, show me in the word what you're feeling. How does that line up with the Bible? Because if it doesn't line up with the word of God, it's outside his will and he's not gonna bless it and anything outside of the will of God is rough. That's why they call it the rough. It's rough. It does outside of what God's doing, outside of God's word. It's rough, but God wants you to play here in the fairway. That's why one of the things that we look at in a message like this, when we get that, get that understanding, that instruction from the Lord is if we find ourselves outside of the framework of God's will, outside of the, what he's doing now on the earth, outside of what he has said in his word, then I know this from golf. You don't, even though I, I, I try not to do this, but I end up doing it a lot, you don't play from the rough It's a much harder game from the rough. What you do is from where you are, you just try and hit the ball back into the fairway. You just try and get back in the framework. Because if you keep living life out there, there are hazards out there and life is difficult. Let me give you an example, living outside the moral will of God. The Bible's very clear, 1 Thessalonians, it says this, that that we we are to abstain from sexual sin. If you look up in the scripture, sexual sin, the word in the Greek, literally means stay away from sexual things outside of marriage between a man and a woman. Anything outside of that, the Bible says we're to abstain or stay away from. So if we operate outside of the moral will of God or what he's already said in his word, it's really hard to get clarity for the direction for your life. And so, but however, if we find ourselves there, the Bible says we can be quick to repent and then we can just 
chip the ball back into the fairway and get things back in line. Amen? Aren't you glad for that? Thank goodness. Because a lot of times, can I tell you, we're playing from rough to rough, it seems like a lot of times. Move that ball back into the middle. And so those things frame the plan and purpose of God for your life. So and with the, the sovereign will of God, if you will, on one side, the moral will on the other side, within that framework, that zone, if you will, is where you find the personal will of God for your life. Because the personal will of God for your life will never be outside of what God's doing on the earth or outside of what he has said in his word. But in there, there's some room in there. And let me, we'll talk about that in just a moment. So anytime we want to get, anytime we find ourselves out of the framing of God's will, then we just need to get back in the zone, if you will, get back into that place. And then we find the personal will of God. And that is this, what God desires for my life. What God desires for your life starts with staying within the framework of what God is doing on the earth right now and what God has said in his word. And when you connect or you stay in between those things, you will have a greater sense of clarity to know what the personal will of God is for you. Does that make sense this morning? You need to get in the fair way. The game is much easier played that way. You have much clarity, much more clarity and understanding. Um, God has a plan for you. So he wanted uh, you, know, you to do something uh, significant on the earth, but it will always be within what is he doing and then what is he said in his word. Uh, Psalms 139, it's not your notes, but it says this, God has all the days of my life written in a book. He's got a plan for you. So it's not we're trying to get God to bless our plan. He has a plan. We want to get in his framework. And so we want to make sure. So the more I get to know the sovereign will of God, what he's doing on the earth today, the more I get to know the moral will of God, what his word says and I stay between those, the more I'm able to discern the personal will of God. So here, here's the starting point. Now, we, we, those two things are a starting point. That's where we play the game of life, if you will. So before you get to the practical steps, let me give you two things. Let me ask you two questions. Number one is this, what am I doing that I should not be doing? Keeping in mind the moral will, the, the, the sovereign will of God, the moral will of God, what am I doing? Then here's our starting point. What am I doing that I should not be doing? And probably we know that. The Holy Spirit's probably speaking to us. If you have godly friends around you, hopefully in love, they're speaking that to you. Well, what, what does that do for us? It helps us get back in the fair way. Because there's things probably that we're doing that really are maybe outside of the will of God. What am I doing that I should not be doing? Because Psalms 139 also says, not only are your days written in the book, but it says that the, that the psalmist said this. He goes, God, search me. Search my heart and reveal anything within me that is not pleasing to you so I can get it back in line. Basically what he's saying in context of the message, search me so I'll know if I'm outside of your will or in your will. Hey, let me know if I'm playing in the rough or if I'm in the fairway. And guess what will happen? He'll show you. He'll show you. In fact, we need to pray that prayer every day. David says, pray, search me, God, and then lead me back. If there's anything in you that is outside of the boundaries, then lead me back to that place. Ask him and he will show you. Uh, number two with that in mind is this, what am I not doing that I should be doing? What am I not doing that I should be doing? And I need to, I need to cooperate with God's will because they will always coincide. And let me say this again, that's why it's so important. We're so thankful for the 143 people that served yesterday. I know that didn't work for everybody, I, I hear that. We're thankful for the couple hundred people that it takes to pull this off every Sunday. Listen, let me just let you know what God's doing on the earth. There's a number of things, but in case it may, may escape you, one of the things he's doing is he's working through his church to be a light in this dark world and to reach people. And so can I say this? What am I not doing that I should be doing? Every single one of us need to get in the game. Every single one of us. 
Because now we know, and we know that that's what God's doing on the earth. He's working in and through churches to do exactly what you saw on the screen, to reach people with a life-giving message so we can connect families to the life, love, and power of Jesus. Well, how do I do that? I get on board with what God's doing on the earth. How's he doing it? He's working through his local churches. And so I can get on board then with my local church and be in the sovereign will of God, cooperating and doing what God's doing here on the planet. What does that do? Well, that just helps you, Pastor Don. Well, yes and no, it does in one regard, but listen, what it does is help you. It means that you are inside one of those frameworks and therefore you can have a better understanding of your, God's plan for your life. And so we need to get on board. We need to get in the game and be a part of what God's doing on the earth today. And so we just need to be involved with that. And if Tree of Life is your home, I just want to encourage you, get in the game. Be involved. God's already, be involved in something God's already involved in. And if you're just checking it out, kicking the tires, man, no problem. Sometimes when you're new here, you just need to sit for a little while based on where you've come from even. But do it for a little while. Then get on board with what God's doing on the planet. And so I, I just want to encourage you in that. Um, so what are some of the things that we can look at? First John 4.1 says this to you and I, First John 4.1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. That word spirit can also be translated impression. Do not believe, just take every imp- impression, every feeling and every emotion. It just felt right. I just feel, I feel like we should do this. And, and I get that. But listen, it says, don't just believe every spirit but, or impression, but test the spirit or impressions to see whether they're from God because they're not all from God. Your emotions will lie to you. <laughs> Your heart, the Bible says an enemy of God, it will lie to you. And how many times have you done something? Well, it just felt right. It felt like the right decision. And it was the worst decision that there ever could be, right? Well, I, f- I had the right heart. My heart felt good about it, and I ended up in this place. Can I tell you, there's, the Bible has many ways that we can test what that impression is and find out, is that of the Lord? Is that my own want, will, or desire? Is it the enemy? Is it just circumstances around about me, or is it truly God? I love this topic. I, I, I love teaching this because I, I, I love to continually evaluate my life this way, but I love it. I, as you know, I have an 18-year-old daughter and a 19-year-old daughter, and so I'm constantly, especially at the age they are, and looking at what does God have for my life into the future, looking at this, talking through this with them. So I wanna give you six things that, as the scripture, 1 John 4 says, one says, that we can test, test our decisions. And I would say that these aren't importance of or, uh, in an order of importance per se, um, but I think that you need to have all six in line when you're making your decisions. So let me give those to you. Here's the practical side. I framed it with the theological side. I want to give you the practical side and evaluating or testing the impressions or things that you're feeling the leading to see if you are in within the boundaries. You can't get outside the boundaries, but you're following the personal will of God for your life. So number one is this. Am I in a right relationship with God? I mean, that's just common sense. I mean, and don't be, don't be out there and expecting to have this clarity from God if your relationship is distant or is not where it should be or could be, where it could be. And I think that's important for all of us because the more we're, we're close, the closer we are to the creator, the more we'll know why we were created. The closer we press into God, the more clearly we can hear his voice. In fact, we just finished 21 days of prayer. We do it in January, prayer and fasting, than we do in August, 21 days of prayer. Can I tell you, the decisions we make for the direction of this church come out of those 21 days of prayer, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Why is that? That's because we can tune God's voice in because we are really pressing in. If you have decisions to make in life, I want to encourage you before you make that decision, really press into God. Spend some time getting as close to him as you can before you make that decision. Because you can just hear his voice a little bit better. So am I in a right relationship with God? How close am I? Don't, don't make them out of emotions or circumstances. 
I just want to encourage you to really press in. If you're facing a major decision, stop everything. See how close you can get to the Lord. Romans 12.2 says this. Do not operate or conform by the pattern of this world. World's wisdom, culture, circumstances. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get as close to God as you can. Then, then you'll be able to test, there's our word, and approve what God's will is. The closer you get to him, not the patterns or wisdom of this world, the more you'll know or be able to test or approve what God's will is, not just his will, but his good, pleasing, and perfect will that he has for your life. Get back in the fairway. Number two, what does the Bible say? Hey, there's a novel idea. <laughs> what does the Bible say about what the situation is? What does the Bible say about the, the things that you're having to decide? Am I considering, well, here's a question. Let me phrase it this way. Am I considering something outside of God's will? Am I considering something outside of God's moral will or what he said in his word? Because the Bible is very clear on some things that I see people making decisions and I wonder, are you not reading the same Bible I'm reading? And I have people I talk to all the time that talk to me about a decision they're making. And again, I'll always take them back. Well, show me how that lines up with the word of God. Let me use this example. I've already said my two daughters and they're at an age now, you know, we're praying for what's God's plan and purpose for their life. We're encouraging them to get as close to God as they can. We're talking to them about things, decisions, finding the word of God. One of those things is at some point in time, God will bring that man into their life. And I want it to be a godly man. I want it to be a spiritual, strong, spiritual leader. But the Bible says, don't be unequally yoked. But what if they were to come to me and say, but dad, I really like this guy. I mean, I know he's got saved, but I know that we can lead him to the Lord. Can I tell you, we're not into missionary dating. <laughs> not into projects. Because here's what I know, especially about boys. A boy will say anything to get that ring, and then he goes back to who he was. If it's not a real conversion, if you will. So don't be unequally yoked. Yeah. But I really feel that this is the one, well, it's outside of God's word. And God's not going to give you that one if he says, don't be unequally yoked. It's not, you see the framework? Now within there, there's a little room in there. Don't get me wrong, but listen, if it's outside of God's word, God will never lead you outside of his word. He will never ask you, tell you, require you to do something outside of his word. He will never violate his word. So there's things we're trying to justify a hundred ways. We're even trying to find maybe some obscure scripture. But listen, if it's not clear in the word of God, then don't do it. Don't do it. Luke 21, 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Oh, here's what I hear all the time. Hey, pastor, things are, times are different today. Come on, that was a long time ago. Times are changing. Get with the times. Culture's changing. Can I tell you this? Yeah, but the word of God lives forever. The word of God changes not. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know times may change and governments may change and legislation may change and pop culture may change and what society says may change. But listen, God changes not. His word changes not. It's still alive. It's still relevant. It's still powerful. It still guides us today. And tree of life, we're not following culture. We're following God's word. We're not trying to be politically correct. We're trying to be biblically correct because that is the will of God. And let me say this, don't change God's word or add to God's word. God wrote it right the first time. So we follow the word of God. Okay, number three, I feel like I need to move on right now. Okay, number three, what would Jesus do? Oh, come on, those silly bracelets. Exactly. What would Jesus do? Those weren't just cute little bracelets as, as a witnessing tool perhaps, but those were reminders of how to live your life. That's really what they were. So when you're making decisions, you could look at the bracelet there or whatever and make a proper decision. Because Jesus had a spirit about him. 
He had a spirit about him. Are you making decisions in line with the spirit of Jesus? Can I tell you, we're making some pretty harsh, mean decisions. Jesus would never do that. I'm, I'm amazed. I talk to people, I'm telling my kids, is that what Jesus would do? And I'm not trying to be all, you know, 1990s or whatever on them or whatever. But listen, it's like, what is that the spirit of Jesus? Does that reflect and represent, does that contain and carry the spirit of Jesus? The temperament of Jesus? The personality of Jesus? Because that's what we're here for. Ask yourself, if you did this, does it carry the spirit of Jesus? James 3, 14 through 17 says this. But if you harbor bitter envy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, worldly wisdom, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven, listen to this, this is the spirit of Jesus right here. The wisdom that comes from heaven is pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Does it carry the spirit and personality of Jesus? It needs to. You need to stay in the zone. Once you're in the zone, sovereign will, moral will, then ask this question, have I sought godly counsel? Have I sought godly counsel? Have I found someone in my life and just asked them, what do you think? And let me give you a caveat to that. Let me say it this way, that you don't always have to do that, but you need to get counsel. You need to run it by someone. And let me say it this way, you need to get godly counsel. <laughs> because God's ways are higher than man's ways. God's thoughts are higher than man's thoughts. And what might seem right unto man may not seem right unto God. So you get godly counsel. I'm not saying that you have to do that then, but it's in your best interest to get God to counsel. What do you think? I always go to my team, decisions around here, my team, you can ask my team. We sit around the table, my executive team. I throw just about every decision out there on the table for discussion. And we talk it all through every which way we can, upside one, down the other, however, everybody has input, everybody has value, and then we make a decision based on that. And it isn't always what the decision of the table is. But listen, there's very few decisions made around here without getting input, or my mentors, God's given me some great mentors, overseers, that I'll run stuff by them because I know that value and importance because I want this church to be in the will of God. We want to be doing what God's doing on the earth. We want to be doing what he said in his word. And in that, we want to be doing what our purpose is here at Tree of Life. So that's why it's so important. Hey, that's why it's so important to get in a group. Here we go with groups again. Absolutely. Because you find people there you can run stuff by. I'm not saying you have to do what they say, but at least you can have some godly counsel, a godly voice in your life. Ask what you think. Proverbs eleven fourteen says this. For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Let me say this too. Don't do any one of these by themselves. Put them all together. Number five, do I sense God's peace? This is a tricky one. I'll explain in just a second, but do I sense God's peace? All throughout the Bible, God speaks to people, Old Testament, New Testament, with a still small voice. Never step outside of God's peace. In fact, in the Old Testament, you, you hear him um, described this way. I'm not in the tempest or the storm. I'm not in the earthquake. I'm in the loud things scream. Can I tell you, the world screams loudly trying to get your attention. Circumstances scream loudly trying to distract you. It says he's in the still, small voice. Never step outside of peace. That peace that happens on the inside of us. Every day we should start a prayer with today, not my will, but your will, God. I want to follow your peace today, God. Lead me through your peace. 
following that still small voice. 1 Corinthians 14, says this, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. God is the author of peace. He gives you peace even in the midst of the storm. And let me say this about this one. I have people tell me all the time that they have peace about things outside of the word of God. Well, that doesn't, well, that doesn't line up with the word of God. Yeah, but I got a peace about it. Well, that's not the peace of God. Because God's never going to lead outside of his word. Come on. We can justify things. We can find comfort in things. We can convince ourselves of things. We can always find somebody to agree with us. The enemy will make sure of that. But if it's outside of God's word, then that peace is not the peace that comes from God. And we want the peace that God brings as he leads us. The peace, perhaps, even the Bible describes as that passes understanding. So there's a lot of feelings and emotions that we can convince ourselves or justify, but that doesn't mean that's what God said. That's why you look at the framework. What is God doing on the earth and what has he said in his word? Live within that. And number six, last one, is it my will or God's will? Are, are we are living our life in a way that now we're just asking God to bless our will? Are we truly surrendering to his will? And that's what we have to ask ourselves every day. Ask yourself that question. Every day, start with a prayer. Today, not my will, but your will, God. Today, I'm gonna face decisions I have to make. Today, there's gonna be options and choices. Today, things are gonna intersect my life, God. And I know some of those things are gonna look great. I know some of those things are gonna be, circumstantially, will look fantastic. I know some of those things may even bring a want and desire or peace in my heart. I know some of those things people are going to say, you should take, you should be. But God, I want to be surrendered to what you have for me. I want to surrender to your will and purpose for my life. I want to be about what you're about, God. I don't want to live a life where I'm just living my wants and desires and asking God to bless it, because he's not. If it's outside of what he's doing on the earth or outside of what his word says. And so I want to be in the will of God. Jesus modeled this for you and I. Beautifully and powerfully the night before he was taken in the garden, the garden of Gethsemane there. He wrestled with his humanity, 100% man, 100% God. He wrestled with his emotions. He wrestled with the human part of him. And, and the Bible says, and he came to a point of prayer because he knew what was getting ready to happen. And in his prayers, crying out to God, he's like, let this cup pass for me. Is there another way? So much was the intensity of his prayer, the wrestling with his will and God's will. The Bible says he was sweating great drops of blood. Here's what it says in the scripture in Matthew 26, 39. Going a little farther, he fell on his face in that garden to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. If there's any way that my will can prevail, let's look at that. But he did it for only a second because then almost immediately he said, yet not my will, but your will. I surrender to your will. And can I say this morning, church, we are so glad that he surrendered to the will of God. Amen. Because it affected all of our lives. I'm glad Jesus didn't push the, the will of his humanity in that moment, but he again surrendered it to the plan and purpose of God. Every day we come across scenarios, situations, options, choices that we need to come to that place of surrender. We need to start our day surrendered to God. God, today, not my will, but your will. God, today, let me surrender my will to you. I know there's things I'm gonna want, pulls, desires, all, all, we already said all that, but I want what you want, God. I want to surrender everything to you. Surrender my will. I want this, period. We need to say, I want what God wants, period. Not God bless my will. I want to live fully surrendered. I want to be doing what God's doing here on the earth, his sovereign will. I want to be lining my life up with the word of God, what God has already said. And in there, I will find clarity for my 
plan and purpose that God has rather for me. Luke 9, 23, ultimately, this is it. Then he said to them all, Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to be a follower of me must deny themselves or surrender their will and take up their cross daily and follow me. Can I tell you, there is no greater place to be than surrendered to his will. But I gotta give up all this, I gotta do this and that. There's no greater place to be than in the will of God, doing what he's created you to do. There's no greater fulfillment, there is no greater sense of peace, accomplishment, significance, than surrendering everything to God's will, living within what he's doing on the earth, living within what he's already said in his word, and then dialing in the specific for your life, doing what he created you to do. God is a good and faithful God, and he has a great plan for our lives. Let me say this, church, there's peace on the other side. There's peace. In a chaotic, crazy, ever-changing world, we can be a people at peace because those things don't determine, determine our divine destiny and purpose. That is determined by God, our creator. Amen? We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.